Welcome to Sport Faith Life. I'm Chad Carlson. And I'm Brian Bolt. We're two guys from rival schools who came together with one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. We're sports scholars, we're coaches, and we're competitive athletes, or at least we were. And together, we've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. So we are excited without a guest today on our podcast episode, Brian and I will be discussing the FIFA Men's World Cup 2022, which is at the doorstep for us. Every four years, the FIFA hosts a Men's World Cup event. This event usually occurs in the summers. This is new territory, new scheduling for FIFA. It's also a new territory geographically, as the country of Qatar will be hosting the 2022 World Cup. This is a Middle Eastern nation, the first time it's been hosted in that region of the world. And it's the smallest nation to ever host the World Cup. Nevertheless, with the interest in our listenership in sports and Christianity and the amount of chaplains, sports minister, uh, sports ministry leaders that we have working in the field of football, that is international football, soccer to Americans, we thought we might spend some time discussing the World Cup 2022. Yeah, I'm really excited, Chad. I mean, the you know, we know soccer or football is the world's game, right? And uh, the whole world pays attention throughout the year, uh, every year, to uh, the, ma- the various different leagues around the world where professional football is played. Uh, it's also played on, you know, in backyards and sandlots and, and lots of different places where um, we have a, a, a real access to a game that, uh, you know, sometimes it takes a lot of money to start uh, a sport. It doesn't take a lot of money to start football or soccer. And uh, because of that, I think it speaks to just about every generation and every culture. And so... We're excited to celebrate this World Cup. We find it unique that it's tied in some ways to the Christmas season. Uh, this is unusual, as you mentioned. It's a Advent uh, season where we think about the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and it's built up in the market as the coming of this World Cup event. Um, a very interesting just juxtaposition. Uh, the United States, Chad and I are coming from the United States. The United States is in... Right. So we could we can't always say that. Right. That's uh, that's an important part for us to to uh, acknowledge. And yet at the same time, uh, I think it will draw attention, uh, a lot of attention. Actually, there's I think there's a big United States versus England game on uh, on a U.S. holiday that we we call Black Friday, which is the biggest shopping day for uh, for Christmas. So. A lot of weird things happening with this season, and we're excited to talk soccer, to talk about the World Cup a little bit, talk about some of the issues that are around it, and uh, build up to this uh, big event that will bring many, many people around the world together. You know, I'll say the timing was was really good related to the Global Congress because it wasn't too long ago that you and I and countless others were in Cambridge in England getting to experience uh, 
England for all it is, specifically in that academic of cities, Cambridge. But the fun for me, Brian, is whenever I travel in the UK, traveling by train, by coach, whatever else it might be, it's just fun to be able to sort of look out over the landscape and see all of the informal or formal soccer pitches just along the side of the road, along the side of the sure. tracks. Um, and to see people just kicking about, I believe it's called, it's called kickabout soccer, kickabout football. And so that sort of wet my appetite, right? That, that was just a couple of months ago. And so exciting to experience that a country that that's mad for football. We come back here to the United States and we've experienced since that mid August gathering, we've experienced American football, uh, for all it is, that's the dominant sport in the fall season. And yet, in the midst of all of the American football games on television, there's been an increasing amount of uh, television preparation advertisements for the FIFA World Cup coming up. And, and that's just gotten me even more excited about what's going to happen here. Um, what's your background with soccer? I mean, you're, you're excited about yeah. this because you're, you're a sports fan. But, but tell us a little bit about, about where you come to your excitement for the World Cup. No, fair question, because um, like a lot of American kids, um, in my era, I didn't grow up watching a lot of soccer. I participated because it was around and it was fun to play. I played one competitive year, but it also coincided with the other oblong football, which I also played. So I ended up having to choose, and I chose American football. And so uh, just one year of competitive soccer, uh, I think it was eighth grade, scored a few goals, felt pretty good about it, right? And, uh, and then just became a fan. My, my uh, college roommate uh, played soccer, and so I would show up and watch the soccer games. Um, and, you know, when I uh, went to England, I paid a lot more attention. I did one semester where I, I led a study abroad of a number of students, and we paid a lot of attention to uh, football at that time. And it was, uh, it was fun. It was exciting. It was, it was the kind of thing that, uh, I kind of wish I had space for in my life or I created space for. Uh, but I would have to admit that I'm pretty much a four year fan. So when the women's world cup comes around, I pay attention. And when the men's world cup comes around, I pay attention, but, uh, at best I am fair weather. Uh, so uh, I'm going to be uh, probably passing a little more off to you in this conversation, Chad, because I know that you're a bit more engaged than I am. Go ahead. What's your background in soccer? Well, yeah, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a bit more engaged. I, I did play soccer all all growing up, which was uh, maybe a bit unusual. With I come from an American football family, and and yet my my brother and I grew up next door to a family whose dad was a professor. They had some cosmopolitan worldviews, and their son, who was a Ten years older than me, um, was a was a big soccer guy, a, a really kind of an elite regional goalkeeper, and he just sort of spread his love uh, for soccer to my brother and me. So we grew up playing, and um, uh, both played in 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 high school at uh, some pretty good teams. And uh, my brother played for a couple of years in college, and uh, the the coach at, at my college offered me a spot on the team, and I I said no to focus on on basketball. But it's a decision that I I, I reconsider often. Uh, nevertheless. I, I've, I've always played soccer, but um, never really followed soccer much until grad school when, when two, two of my best friends in grad school were, were Liverpool fans uh, coming from across the pond and, and just sort of caught the bug by, by following along with those guys. And so that was my entry into, 
into the world of international soccer. I like you, Brian. I, I, I don't watch a ton. The timing doesn't work out right for me and my family right now, but um, Fox Sports, which will be televising the World Cup, will be on quite a bit in my household and in my office, I will say, uh, during the, the four weeks of, of the tournament. Just like it is uh, with the Women's World Cup every four years, like you said, and the men's as well. I just I love watching that, that stage. Um, there's in my mind, there's something really special about that and unique about it in, in the sense that it's it's international based on representative countries like the the Olympics is, but there's something really unique about this team sport, you know, taking center stage. Yeah, and I think it'll represent a new set of rhythms for sports fans, right? Uh, this is happening around the time of year that we wouldn't expect to be interested in soccer, uh, and nor, nor would anybody else in the world, right? This is a move, right, largely based on the weather in Qatar and the safety of athletes because it just gets so hot, right? And the idea is that uh, moving it to uh, a different time of year makes it much safer for the players and the fans, I suppose. Um, and there, I think there are going to be some unique ways to try to cool the stadiums, um, all sorts of different um, solar panels and different ways to try to cool the, uh, you know, use the heat to cool, which is really kind of interesting. Um, and yet, uh, I, I think with the timing in the U.S., it will be it will offer some uh, some new family rituals in some ways, right? So, particularly if you can find times where you can you can get up in the morning and see uh, you know see soccer happening. So, I do think it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. It's not without its critics, right? There have been a number of folks that have really come down on this uh, adjustment, right? The, the location where it is, has, has brewed up a good amount of controversy, uh, not just about the weather, about other things as well. So I wonder, like, how have you experienced this among other uh, sport fans, or how, how have you read about this in such a way that uh, you think it, we ought to reflect on it, maybe in, in a sport faith life sort of way? Boy, you know, in the classes that I teach with my students, when we talk about mega sporting events, there's always, always criticisms to be had and always criticisms to discuss for sure. Those are, those are there. Those are present. Um, they just come alongside the nature of trying to gather, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of people together for particular events. Um, and so the, the, the difficulty for me is I think, you know, from a, a consciousness, a conscientiousness perspective is we wa- I love sports. I love watching sports. Right. And, and when I do so, I perpetuate some of uh, injustices or inequalities that are, are promoted and perpetuated through the, the television, the televised nature of certain sports. And uh, does that mean that I'm also condoning uh, particular issues that are underneath the event um, by watching? And so there's all kinds of ethical dilemmas to to discuss. And I'll say a lot of the research that I've done on uh, the concept of play, and Brian, you and I have talked about this, and you've written about this as well, is is the difficulty of understanding and navigating through the terrain in which there's something at the center of the event that is the, the play between the lines on the pitch that we hope is playful and joyful and intrinsically driven and shows great passion and just captivates us, right, and gives us a reprieve from our daily issues or, or whatever else it may be. And yet you can't separate sport fully from the outside influences. We're going to be watching on television. That's, a, that's a, you know, an immediate outside influence that affects and, and dictates and determines a lot of what goes on on the pitch. 
And so there's a bit of a dissonance for me with watching an event like this, especially because of the the human rights issues that have been uh, prominently discussed across the world and some of the decisions that the the Qatari government has has made or or the the rules that they have within their country that are are that continue to exist even with this broad international spectatorship coming in, inside their borders and so you know for me I I love watching sports and and soccer's one of them that I love watching it's just a lot of fun for me I get captivated with uh, the emotion that's shown and the skill that's displayed and, and, and some of my, my jingoism for the United States. So we'll watch passionately their games. Um, but then, you know, to, to, to do so while recognizing there are still issues off the field and there's still uh, inequalities that exist and, and in some ways are perpetuated by this event uh, gives me a little bit of pause, especially in a moment like this where I'm not watching and not caught up in that in- intrinsically interesting action. Yeah, I think it's always a it's a bit of a dilemma. Um, I would just say that you know I have a pretty high bar for canceling, um, right? There's a there's a lot of opportunity to uh, find fault in others, to find fault in organizations, to find uh, things that we don't agree with. Um, and I just wonder uh, when we think about this World Cup or anything like it if our knee-jerk response ought to have, um, ought to be flavored with grace uh, while having a discerning perspective. And so when I think about the theology that we all sort of know and cling to, that there's a lot of sin that I see and there's a lot of sin in my heart. And uh, to sort of project that and be able to find ways to, to uh, walk away uh, it's going to require a lot of discerning, and so it's going to require a lot of um, soul-searching myself. I do think um, when you get at the heart of what is brought together in a World Cup, which is this celebration of play, this opportunity to compete, um, this community that is created through sport, this opportunity really to reach out to other people, uh, it's, it's possible to focus in on the positive sides of sport uh, without being Pollyannish, without, without uh, sort of walking away or, or turning a blind eye. Uh, at the same time, I, I think uh, almost every organization, the World Cup being one of them, uh, has its own flaws and, and we ought to work for justice in the places where we can uh, while participating and not withdrawing. And so. That's kind of the approach I take on some of these things, right? There's uh, always a, a way to find fault. And I think uh, there's not a lot of fruit when uh, the end result or the quick result is to withdraw. And so I think uh, this opportunity for us is to a chance to speak into it, but also a chance just to celebrate. Oh, for sure. And there's there will be plenty to celebrate, and we certainly hope as as Americans that our our team does well, we're we're hopeful for that, right? So there's there's all of the the aspects of sport that otherwise exist, the uh, um, the chance for the opportunity to to show um, a great deal of skill, the opportunity to be competitive, the opportunity to witness something amazing going on, and and as as fans of the American team, we we certainly hope that that some of that happens, that we've got a young core of exciting players to to that, that have gotten onto the, the world stage in ways that that maybe our our past rosters haven't. Um, 
And I love what you said, Brian. So that's about, what I want to know, Chad. Yeah. What? What, what do you want to know? Sorry, I'm what? just going to interrupt it. I want to know sport here. Do we have a chance? I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the pool, the group obviously is, is uh, formidable, but they're all, they all are, right? Uh, there's no gimme games. There's no easy matches in World Cup play. And so there's not there's the not. U.S. has to um, take a young group, a, a group that just like everybody else doesn't play together and find a way to pull together in a short period of time. I guess that's what makes it in some ways an exciting. This is an all star team, right? It's a, it's a group that doesn't have the cohesiveness, but maybe has uh, an opportunity to show the world that they can come together. Tell me tell me about you, what you think in relation to their chances are of getting out of that pool play. Yeah, right. Um, so I, I, I set up uh, a FIFA World Cup uh, bracket challenge for my family last night, for my extended family, right? It's something that we'll do. You, you mentioned earlier, you know, chance for new new rhythms and new experiences of togetherness for people watching the World Cup during the Christmas season. I did not choose the U.S. to, to do very well. In fact, I did not choose them to to get out of our group uh, a difficult group. I, I actually chose England and Wales uh, to get out of the group. I think maybe that's just a little bit of pessimism. I tend to be more of a pessimist, pessimistic fan when it comes to my my partisan fanship. I just always fear the worst in the teams I root for, and I think that's maybe a, a defense mechanism that that way it's easier if they if they don't do uh, well, it's easier for me to stomach that. Well, I, I thought it was going to happen all all along. I will say this: um, if the U.S. reaches the World Cup final, the final match, and beats um, uh, uh, Qatar, my six-year-old niece will be very happy, and she'll likely win our, our pool. I'll say that the, ah. I would say that the U.S.'s chances are they have to be somewhere in between those two extremes, right? They're either gonna uh, right, so so somewhere in between those two things. Nevertheless, we're, you know we're ranked somewhere somewhere in the middle. I think um, you know the difficulty playing against England, who I think feels like they should have been hosting this World Cup that they got snubbed a decade ago when the decision was made to host. So they also have uh, a really talented roster. And then I, I, I worry a little bit about Wales, uh, not a large nation, but one that has created uh, Gareth Bale, who has come to the MLS in the United States and done a nice job there, uh, helping his team to win. The MLS Cup uh, recently, and so certainly some dynamic athletes on that that team as well. You know, the difficulty for me with soccer as a, a sport, and this comes from my 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 very um, I'll apologize for my American sensibilities here. I love soccer, but uh, I, I find so often I get disappointed that the team that I feel like played better didn't win because the amount of scoring is so low, and so it it just takes one one strike or, or one um, deflection to really change the course of a game. Um, and, and that might go against the team that might have been dominating. And so uh, some of the sports that I follow, some other sports like, um, you know, basketball, for instance, there's there's so much regular scoring that that oftentimes is an indication of the team that's that's playing better than the other team because that goal of scoring is achieved so regularly. And so the sport of soccer I oftentimes find isn't quite that way, which can be frustrating. But I, I think a lot of soccer fans would respond and say, well, that's just the shallow nature of a sport like basketball, <laughs> where you have to quantify everything, right? Because the fans are, are, are shallow. Uh, but think about the depth and and the nuance of of the movements and, and the, the tactics and the attacks and all, all that sort of thing in the sport of soccer. That's really what it's about. And so I guess I'm hoping to see some form then in that sense from the United States team, uh, some some things for us to get excited about in the future that 
while we might not have an end result that would say that um, that that we're champions in the world or even among the elite in the world, we certainly want to be among the elite. We want to be playing with them and show that we that we can that we can play alongside anybody. I think we we should believe that that's that's possible for us, and that's what makes this exciting is is a, a chance to see if if we can do it. Well, I think you said it there. The uh, and I'll own up to being shallow, but uh, that's fine. <laughs> uh, the yeah, the uh, opportunity here is for you know, in some ways, the underdog to have a chance, and football or soccer is the sport to make that happen, right? Uh, certainly, you can have a dominant team that just overwhelms or overpowers a, a weaker opponent, but because of the talent in the you know on both sides and particularly at the at the World Cup level, you can imagine coming up with the right strategy in a given uh, in a given match to be able to have a, the lesser team overcome. And like I said, it's a bounce here. It's a it's a header there. It's a it's sometimes um, you know done by the referee, right? So when uh, you have those opportunities, the underdog uh, may may feel emboldened, may feel like this is their opportunity. And and I think going into just about every match, the U.S. is either going to be a push or the underdog. And so I would imagine that. Uh, I will fill out my bracket the opposite way. That doesn't mean I'm, I think it's going to happen. <laughs> I just think that that's my rooting interest, and I don't like my bracket to divide my my uh, sensibilities. So typically, if uh, if I want my bracket to win and I want my team to win, I want them to align, right? So mm, okay. I, I usually go with my heart over my head on those sorts of things. Um, I'm... I'm with your niece. I'll, I'll take the U.S. versus uh, Cutter, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm not even sure if that w- if that could possibly line up in the finals, but it was some obscure uh, team that she chose alongside the U.S. for for some reason or another. Yeah, yeah. So I think for us, um, it it would be fun for us to uh, to carry on this conversation. And actually, I just want to give a little preview. Uh, Our next podcast will also be about football or soccer, and it's going to be with uh, an expert in a particular area. So we're going to talk to President Weba Bohr, new president of Calvin University, and he has written a book on Nigerian soccer. Unfortunately, um, Nigeria did not make it into the World Cup this year. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit of a letdown, but we're excited to talk to him next time. And as we lead into that, I wonder if, um, in just thinking about this in the context of the Christmas season, Chad, if you can just walk us out thinking about, like, what should we be thinking about as we head into the Christmas season, the World Cup season? Is there any connection or overlap there that is helpful? Well, Fox Sports, again, who's televising the uh, World Cup in the United States, has unveiled a series of, of commercials over the past few weeks in the lead up to, to the World Cup. And those are based on um, this idea that Santa Claus would be interested in the World Cup and would be changing what he does uh, because so many American fans are wishing, specifically kids are, are, are wishing to Santa that the U.S. does well. And so Santa's changing all the gifts that he's making for all these kids and um, is sort of amping up production and everything because so, everyone's going to be so interested in the World Cup. So it's really interesting how Fox Sports has played into the, the hallmark uh, aspect of the Christmas season. 
um, to the ignorance of the the reason for the season, right? The true reason for the season. And so it's interesting mm-hmm. to think through how a Christian might might work through um, the World Cup being during the Advent season, preparing for the coming of Christ. And so it's interesting also that this is occurring in in an Islamic nation um, where uh, mm-hmm. where local rule is 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 aligned with uh, Islamic uh, policy and, and what's coming from the Quran. And so um, it's interesting that that aspect of things sometimes drives, I think, the ways in which there are perceptions from the West about what is going on. And so some of the off-the-field issues that we would believe would be possibly you know, front and center in Jesus's mind if he was around to experience the World Cup might come from a place of uh, of, of bias from us. And Brian, you mentioned this, the idea that, that grace should be part of what we bring to, uh, to these off the field issues. And I'm thinking, you know, specifically about the ways in which we can look at the country of Qatar and say, oh, you know, your, your records on, on human rights are, are not very good. Treatment of women is not very good. Treatment of, of the laborers, those who have built these stadiums, many of whom are, are immigrants, has not been good. In fact, it's been atrocious. And um, as well as, you know, the, the maybe the more shallow, yes, likely the more shallow complaint that, that beer will not be sold in the stadium. You know, there's all kinds of these complaints about <laughs> things going on in Qatar related to, to the World Cup. And yet we, the U.S., will be uh, try-hosting the next World Cup, and so I can only imagine what uh, what other nations will be will be poking you know at, at the United States in terms of our you know human rights issues and our social justice issues and the ways in which you know our 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 history hasn't been anywhere near perfect either. You know, as a nation, we have a, a lot to be desired yet, and so um, I say all of that to 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 sort of preface the fact that when we step into this event we get a chance to experience things different than what we're used to. We get to, uh, I can't remember ever having watched an athletic event that occurred in Qatar. Um, I'm rarely watching athletic events that include athletes only from other nations than the United States. And so um, I, I'm stepping into a new space and it would be good for me to remind myself that I need to step into that with grace and and appreciate the diversity that I'm experiencing as as I'm watching this. And so, you know, certainly that that comes to mind for me in terms of uh, how a Christian might approach the World Cup. Um, I think there's something that's that's really beautiful about the rhythms of an athletic event like this, um, the sequencing of things and the build up to a culmination. I think that's really what the Advent season is to the Christian as well. It's it's really this sort of four-week build-up to to the main event, to that thing that we really all get together to celebrate at the end. And so uh, maybe there's some parallels there uh, related to to the Advent season in the World Cup. I mean, build on that, Brian. I'm sure you've got some, some deeper thoughts. I don't know about that, but I really think that what you're tapping into with the longing of Advent and this idea of anticipation is in some ways, how we approach other aspects of life, right? And we're in uh, this space here on earth where we we have rituals and ceremonies and culminating events. And because of that, it, it uh, builds our anticipation. And we start thinking about um, things maybe better than they are, right? And we also, I think, experience in this already and not yet world the the reality of disappointment and what sport 
what people don't quite understand sometimes about sport is, you know, they think there's a winner and there's a loser. Well, in, in the World Cup and, and in just about every other circumstance in sport, there's a winner and there is a like a basket full of losers, right? There, there's only one winner and uh, everybody else ends their season in disappointment. And I, I think there's something about that when we think about even uh, the celebration of Jesus coming, right? So Jesus enters the world and it changes everything. Ultimately, uh, in Easter, we have his death and resurrection and the victory that, that comes from that moment. And yet here we are, right? We're in a world that continues to do wrong. Uh, in our hearts, we continue to do wrong. And so we're wrestling with this ultimate victory and this level of, of unfinished business, so to speak. And so I think that in some ways, when you think about um, the rhythms and anticipation of, of a sporting event like this, it can get us to reflect differently on both jubilation and sorrow um, and that space that we tend to live in as humans. Hello everyone, this is Reb Brad, Director of Soccer Chaplains United and Volunteer Chaplain to the Colorado Rapids of Major League Soccer. I just wanted to take a quick moment to share some exciting news. Something big is coming. World Cup 2022. This World Cup, Soccer Chaplains United is producing and publishing a devotional entitled The Light is Coming. This devotional is a collaboration of several of our chaplains and will look to have it available beginning November 1st, just in time for the start of the tournament. It's an eight-week, 80-page devotional with illustrations, and it will feature readings that mirror the different weeks of World Cup, Advent, and Christmas. Each week, three different authors interweaving themes of faith, family, and football around a common weekly theme. Amazon, or better yet, Amazon Smile, will be the place to purchase your print-on-demand copy, and we'll have it available in ebook format for English, Spanish, and Portuguese as well. Anyone who loves soccer is encouraged to reach out and email us at info at soccerchaplainsunited.org for information on bulk rate discounts. Are you hosting a World Cup watch party? Grab a few copies to give to fans and friends. Does your church, club, or rec team have some World Cup fans? Get some books to give them away. This edition of the World Cup is special. It's the first time happening in this time of the year and first time happening in an Arabic country. We'd love to see this devotional get in the hands of many this World Cup season. Find out more information on SoccerChaplainsUnited.org or by emailing us at info at that same web address. Have a great Advent and Christmas and a great World Cup. It's an important space for us to consider, and it's it's one that allows sport to be imminent in our lives of faith as well, to, to, to use or to understand analogies and to understand the ways in which emotions drive some of our behaviors and our thoughts as we reflect on things as well. So it's a, it's a great space for us. It's a unique space for us. I guess, you know, for me, there's, there's another, um, there's a way in which I think the, what, what gets fulfilled and what doesn't get fulfilled in terms of our longings is also, uh, experience really, really viscerally. And I'm thinking about, the ways in which uh, so often the expectations surrounding Christmas, at least for me and my experiences, has been connecting with family, buying the right gifts for others, uh, receiving good gifts, uh, being together, um, experiencing peace, always experiencing peace when we're together with family. Of course, that that you know that that so rarely happens, right? That it's it's perfectly peaceful. Mm-hmm. 
whereas the ultimate longing should be for Jesus Christ and the coming of Jesus Christ. And, and that's that's the reason for the season. So I think so often we get our priorities misaligned even as we plan for what our Christmas schedules might look like. I think there's something similar in the world of sport too, that as we watch, especially as partisans, our longing is for ultimate victory for our team. And when we when we long for that, when we focus on that, I think we really miss so much of what's beautiful about the beautiful game uh, when it comes to soccer. And, and that is the ways in which our team performs under stresses and pressures, the ways in which um, that not everything in the game is quantifiable or we can just experience the artistry and, and the beauty, even as our team loses, that there was great display of skill and we watched some, some amazing uh, uh, soccer from the other team, you know, p- potentially. But I think, I think there's something that we miss if we're just focused on the wins and the losses, and we let that drive sort of our climax. And I think for for American fans, really, at least for people like myself, yeah, I go in wanting the Americans to win, but gosh, I'm 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 habitually prepared for the Americans not to win very much, and so I go into the event just excited about watching good soccer, and. That to me feels like a really healthy, healthy way of watching. It's not a partisan mindset at all. In fact, it's more of a purist mindset. And I really like that. I like myself when I'm watching sport as a purist. I think I'm a better, a better person in that way. And so maybe there's some parallels there as well that, that if we remain focused on that which is and can be pure, um, that, that we're better off. Yeah, I, I like what you're getting at there. And I think um, to sort of bring this full circle, what I, what I heard there, too, was about preparing, right? Preparing your heart, preparing your body, preparing your reaction. Uh, and so much of what we do in sport um, is looking back and saying, boy, if only I had thought about that ahead of time, I wouldn't have reacted that way. And I think that that happens in life as well, where if our hearts are connected to the vine, then the fruit just grows directly out of us. Uh, and this is an opportunity to just su- redirect or reflect on that kind of preparation. Advent is about preparation and uh, anticipation. And I think if we go into any kind of contest, if we go into any kind of sport, in this case, the World Cup, with uh, a heart that is full of Jesus Christ. Uh, the fruit that comes from that is something that, that advances and helps others flourish. And so I think it, it, what you're kind of getting at there, to me, resonates in the, the buildup and the moment, but also just the idea that um, there's one source that we keep going back to that if we get too far from it, our hearts aren't ready. Our hearts aren't ready for the kind of either joy that may come or the disappointment that may come. And for me, I I think that's what I'm going to try to reflect on as we walk through uh, this experience. I want to mention, too, as we go out that um, Pastor Brad Kenny has pulled together a devotional that we've been advertising here on Sport Faith Life, and we'll... um, continue to talk about it through the World Cup. Uh, and I encourage you to, to participate, to find that, and to, to walk through that with um, that organization so that you have an opportunity to also experience um, sort of the, the joy that comes from uh, staying engaged and staying connected 
in the midst of the anything that's happening in life, and in this case, World Cup. So thank you so much for uh, spending a little time kind of priming this with me, Chad. Um, I think uh, we'll have some new things to talk about as uh, as the games start uh, in a week. So we're, we're pretty excited to, uh, to do this together. And uh, we'll look forward to our podcast with Dr. Weaver Bohr next week. Thanks for listening to the Sport Faith Life podcast. Find previous episodes at sportfaithlife.com and on Apple Podcasts. We're releasing each episode with a blog post authored by our guests, so you can find the blog for this podcast and other posts at the same website, sportfaithlife.com.